Hello everyone, this is Paul Watson, host of Written by the Rest. Uh, just to let you know before we start, um, my dog Indy was in the room and she decided to shake and sniff and get quite heavily involved in the entire podcast. So just a little heads up before you get started. Enjoy the show. Hello. My name is Paul Watson, and you are here listening to Written by the Rest, the podcast that makes you ask yourself the question, is everyone in history a complete arsehole? And the answer is probably yes, they are. Um, I'm also here with my co-host and guest, Sam Nicholson. Good evening, Good or morning, evening. or afternoon. It's afternoon. It's afternoon. It's afternoon at the moment. Sam, tell me, what did you learn about in history that, that's really stuck with you? Let's let's dive straight in. Let's 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 go in. Um, the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what about the Egyptians to be honest. See, I, I dropped history in year ten, so I didn't do a history GCSE. No. So my learning of history either all came before I was thirteen, or more recently researching myself. So from school history when I was younger, not a great deal to be honest. We did the Romans, ancient Greeks, the usual stuff, the usual sort of white European. Yeah. The, yeah, the the whitewashing. The whitewashing of every single thing in history, yeah. And Sam, that's what we're here to talk about today. It is. This is a history podcast. These aren't written by people, uh, this isn't written by people who are historians. We didn't go no. to university, well you did, but you didn't study history. history, that's right. Um, you know, we, we, we just, we, we're, we're a couple of people who've got a, a real passion. Yeah. We've got a real passion for, for, for history. Especially and the weirder side of history. The weird, yeah, specify. the obscure side, yeah. the niche yeah, side, yeah. The, the stuff you don't learn in school. Exactly. Or if you do learn it in school, you've probably been told it incorrectly. Yes. Um, so, so before I start, Sam, tell me, what do you know about the mutiny on the bounty? <laughs> um, very little. I know the phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to have made its way into our sort of vernacular. Yeah. Um, not a lot else apart from the little snippets you've told me in the past. Sure. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, look, you know, the, the mutiny on the bounty bounty isn't really something that you, you learn in school. Um, despite for the fact that... Obvious reasons. For, for obvious, for obvious yeah. reasons. It, it's not. It's it's pretty grisly. Um, the name of this podcast, uh, this episode, is, is is called The Pitcairn Islands Trouble in Paradise. I, I quite like that. Very nice. Yeah. I was going to call it Trouble in Paradise Town, but I thought it was a bit... No. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. The... the, the the, ma- the bounty isn't really learned about in school. It's not something that's picked up in the classroom. But despite that, the Pitcairn Islands are quite an interesting um, set, set of islands. I think there's about three or four of them. Yeah. They're based in the South Pacific. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a British territory. It's been a British territory we, for a, since about 1850. We've had a few, haven't we? We've had a few. It's one yeah. of the ones we haven't lost. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's... You know, we, we, you know this, the typical things that get picked up from having a British ter- territory is if someone invades, we defend them, it, we give them lots of money mm-hmm. for very little in return. I'm going to touch upon this a little bit later on, but uh, we, we give the Pitcairn Islands about £3 million a year. Wow. Which is really probably the Christmas party for the MP. Yeah, I mean, to run a, yeah. to run a country, it's not a great deal of cash, is it? Mm. And it's about 50 people, so it's still, it's pretty good though. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Per capita. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't say no to that. <laughs> no, I think it works out at about £60,000 each or okay. dollars. They tend to, to work in dollars. <clears throat> so what we're going to talk about in this two, potentially three-part series is the Pitcairn Islands. There's, there's some pretty messed up history um, and some even more messed up stuff in the present. 
with this South Pacific isolated island of Pitcairn. We'll be exploring the birth of the island as we're also looking back on events that led up to Pitcairn being inhabited by essentially a group of mutineers. So let's start with our main character, uh, if you will, uh, Fletcher Christian. Fletcher Christian was born to Charles and Anne Christian on the 25th of September, 1764, in Cockermouth, Cumbria, <laughs> England. Come on, come on. Sorry, professional. <laughs> yeah, Cockermouth, it's, it's pretty funny. Um, interestingly, you can still see the house he grew up in. Uh, it's still standing. I'm surprised there isn't a statue of him somewhere, to be honest, in our uh, penchant for it. <laughs> no, no, I don't think there would be. He's a mutineer, so that's bad. That is bad. That is bad. So is slavery. So is slavery. We, we yeah. touch a little bit on slavery yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, basically, if you wanted to see his house, mm-hmm. it is still standing. It's on the side of the A506. Uh, <laughs> A50... Hang on, let me start that again. The A5086, just in case you ever decided okay. to pop by. Do, does someone live there? So if you knock on the door <laughs> to see Fletcher Christian's house. I don't... You know what? I don't know. We should find out. I, I don't think it's like a historical mon- monument, no, it's but it's just a house. It's just a house. And in fact, I think it was described at one point in its history as something between a house, a castle, and a farmstead. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, okay. yeah, interesting. Um, so, yes, Fletcher Christian was born to Charles and Anne Christian. Fletcher's father, Charles, died unfortunately when he was four, leaving them to be raised by his. Uh, ra- left to be raised by his mother and two brothers alone. Okay. His mother, Anne, unfortunately wasn't very good with money. Now, <laughs> it's quite interesting because obviously at the time, if you were a woman left to look after your children and your finances in, in the 18th century, it's probably likely you didn't know much about money. You'd probably be expected to, to remarry, if, if nothing else, yeah. I imagine. Maybe remarry, back yeah. In, take... Back in that day to, to get something beneath your feet, as it were. Exactly, but uh, yeah, no, it, from, from what I've understood, there isn't actually an awful lot of early, mm. early history on, on Fletcher Christian, unfortunately. It's more his naval career where it becomes a bit more fleshed out. Um, for obvious reasons, people recorded things more, but mm. captains had logs and things like that. Um, but yeah, no, uh, <laughs> I kind of took that with a pinch of salt until I actually read a little bit further into it. Um, she really didn't manage money very well. <laughs> she actually managed to get herself into over £6,500 worth of debt. Now in the seventeen in in the seventeen eighties, yeah. So wow. that, that the equivalent of that today, Sam, is about a million pounds. I thought my finances were bad until uh, right, wow. yeah. yeah. Very dot com. <laughs> and got nothing on Anne uh, Fletcher. <laughs> um, so <laughs> she, what they ended up ha- having to do, unfortunately, was uh, was abscond. They had to leave. Okay. Um, so what they ended up doing is they they left to go to the Isle of Man, which is where. Uh, Fletcher's father came from originally, and his family came from. And at the time, at least, uh, you couldn't chase debt to the Isle of Man. Okay. Uh, England, English law and Manx law, I'm guessing, had some sort of um, didn't have any sort of crossover. So let, let's jump ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Fletcher did the usual thing. He went to school. He got an education, which again in the 18th century was probably going to school until the age of 10, and then taking up some sort of work. But um, William didn't actually join the Navy until he was 17 years old in 1781 as a cabin boy. Um, Seems quite old for that time. You've hit the nail on the head, yeah. yeah. So 17 is really quite old because, again, in the 18th century, you, you're pretty much an adult man by the age of 14. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, yeah you, you take on the responsibilities of, of, of being a man at that, mm-hmm. that age. Especially with no father around. Especially with no father around. And... and uh, he, he actually ended up joining at 14, obviously, as a cabin boy, which does sound a bit strange. I mean, cabin boys easily could have 
easily started as young as eight. Mm. But typically it would be somewhere between the ages of about 12 and 15. Okay. There or thereabouts. His first ship was a HMS Cambridge, a third-rate ship, um, which from a little bit of study turns out it's not a really bad ship. Um, it's just a, 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 a ship that just has a certain set amount of guns. So you have sixth-rate ships as well, third-rate oh, okay. ships and, and things like that. So it's that. not the quality of the ship, it's the arsenal that it's got. Uh, exactly, yeah. So th- this ship had 80 guns, just in case you really <laughs> cared to know. Uh, <laughs> and, and this is actually where he, he met the man he would later betray uh, or mutiny against, William Bly who at the time was serving as a sixth lieutenant. Um, another thing we need to <laughs> cover off in this podcast earlier is I am not an expert in naval history any more than probably you are. <laughs> I don't know what a sixth lieutenant is. It doesn't sound great. Yeah, I mean, it's lieutenant. It could mean that he, he's a, a lower lower officer, yeah, I'm assuming. Presumably, presumably, there's five lieutenants ahead of him. Yeah. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I mean, at this time, we don't have six lieutenants, obviously, anymore. No. We, like, we don't have a lot of the... Uh, we don't have cabin boys anymore, either. <laughs> we don't have... Um, which we're going to discuss in a moment, his master's uh, mate. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about the 18th century mm. uh, Navy more than most <laughs> other people do. Because um, a lot of these ranks are outdated. They, 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 they yeah, fell sure. into obscurity a very long time yeah. ago. So... Christening along and short of it was a solid naval had a solid naval career. Mm-hmm. Um, he he moves up to midshipman after less than a year, and he works his way up to the ranks on a twenty one month voyage to the India on the HMS Eurydice. Um, he was made a master's mate, mate, and the muster rolls indicate, and I quote: "Some seven months from England, we have been he has been promoted from midshipman to master's mate, which is pretty good. It's pretty yeah, decent he's, for he's doing well for himself. He's doing quite well. You you can't you can't uh, you know you can't complain about that." Um, but unfortunately, he he ends up getting discharged from the navy at this point, which actually isn't for anything nefarious. He hasn't necessarily done anything wrong. Okay. He's he's just better. Best way to put it really is that. England at this point is in a very interesting position where actually we're not f- killing anyone. We're not fighting in a war for a change, which is rare. Which is rare. So we, we've kind of come out of the American War of Independence, which finished around, um, I think it was 1783. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're between the French Revolutionary in Napl- ne- uh, ne- ne- Neplonic? Neplonic? Ah, Napoleon Wars. I'm just going to call it Napoleon Wars. Neplonic sounds like some sort of um, Japanese water garden. (laughs) Mm, My Neplonic (laughs) garden's looking great this year. Um, But yeah, we're we're, we're doing wars, basically. Mm -hmm. We've got George III who's pretty much kicking off anything he can at the moment. Yeah, if if we think, I mean, permacrisis is the word of the year this year, isn't it? But Mm. if you think about back then, it was, I mean, we we didn't know we were born. No. It's war, 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 famine. Plague. Plagues. War. war. Famine. War. Taking over countries. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, admittedly, we weren't on the receiving end of the war very often. No. We were, um, we were generally the aggressors most of yeah. the time, it's, it's safe to say. But, yeah, we've got this nice little kind of break, really. So, what we're at here is about, yeah, the, the early 1780s, mm-hmm. and... We're, we're between the wars and, and this is why people were getting discharged. So what happens is Fletcher's kind of looking for work. Um, so what he does, he, he joins the Merchant Navy um, and he joins as a lower rank, unfortunately, as a, as a sh- uh, I think he's a midshipman okay. um, on the Merchant Vessel Britannia. 
which is under the command again of William Bly, mm-hmm. um, who's also actually been discharged. Um, William Bly, we don't touch on too much, obviously, in this, except for the matter of fact that he is a part of the mutiny. But yeah. um, he has actually quite an impressive naval career overall. He okay. actually, I think, he ends up as a vice admiral before he retires. Um, he ends up becoming <laughs> a governor, which again we will touch on. A, a so little, to, to read a between later. the lines, he's effectively taken this seventeen-year-old. <clears throat> I'm going to say waster. For, for I, one I wouldn't even say no, I wouldn't say he's a waster. Yeah. Like he's he's clearly he's doing okay for himself. He's just in a bad situation where there's no wars. Yes, <laughs> so he he can't prove himself. No, no, I suppose not. But, but also like William William Bly, and again we'll, we'll touch on this in a, in a little bit. But William Bly clearly likes Fletcher. Yeah, so they, he's taking him under his wing. Taking him under his. That's probably yeah. a good way of putting it. And again, this this will get touched on later on. But. Um, Despite being an able seaman, which was reasonably low rank, mm-hmm. he was treated very much more like an officer anyway. And again, this this feeds into the, the, the friendship that they clearly had. He was eating with officers and he was berthing with them as well. So he was sleeping in the same sort of quarters as the as the officers were, which is, is quite unusual mm-hmm. by any means. Um, so, yeah, it's quite clear that they have a relationship. In fact, Bly went out of his way to ensure that Christian was promoted and getting him a second mate on another trip that they did to, to, to Jamaica. Okay. So he's clearly again he's taken him under his wing. He's clearly cares about this mm. this this boy. Yeah. Quite frankly, at this point, um, and now we we let's get to the juicy bit. So let's skip ahead here. We're getting to to 1787, um, and Bly actually approaches Christian. He says, "Look, you know, I'm, I'm going on a, I'm going on a, an expedition. Um, it's going to be about two years. Um, I'm got, I've got I've been given a ship that I will captain." I don't think he actually has the rank of captain. I think he's still a lieutenant at this point, but a a, a fully-fledged one. Um, And it's called the HMS Bounty. Now, everything you know about the story from Legend, Sam, is what do you think the voyage for the HMS Bounty would be? Like, think about about how it's been framed in movies and media. What do you think the HMS Bounty, Sam, was all about? I mean, there is the the movie Mutiny on the Bounty, isn't there? Mm? Uh, Mm. Which, from what I recall... There were several of them. Yeah. Uh, um, I can't think who's in the the famous one that I'm thinking of, but from what I recall... Marlon Brando, I think, was the... Exploratory mission, effectively, to to find out what was there, because we didn't have a great idea. No, yeah, yeah, Um, right. And that's not unreasonable to assume mm. that the South Pacific was still... A lot of it had been explored. Like Cook had done quite a few yeah. trips out there. I mean, I think even it goes far back as the 16th century. I think Magellan mm-hmm. um, actually found Tahiti, which had discovered Tahiti, which were, which is where the, the journey, where the HMS Bounty is going in this yeah. trip. But no, no, Sam, they're not. They <laughs> they were actually sent out on this expedition to gather breadfruit. Right. Yeah, breadfruit. Yeah. Uh... So. <laughs> I don't know loads about breadfruit and I chose not to look into it because that's a rabbit hole I don't want to get down but I think it's somewhat related to the fig it grows this time at least on Tahiti and they are planning to pick up this 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 breadfruit and they're going to transport it to the West Indies for yeah feeding slaves to help with slave trade yeah um yeah that's rough Mm. But hey, it's, I hate to use the term, but it's of the time. Mm. It's of the time, isn't it? It's, it's what people were doing back then. Um, but also, I, I want to frame a, a few other things for you here. Now, they're, they're going on a trip to Tahiti. Um, it's an 11-month voyage. And I'll be honest with you, from, from what I've read, this does not go well. This is a horrible trip. Um, there, there was storms. There was bad weather. Yeah, the, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's a choppy sea, isn't it? 
It's a choppy um, sea. It's a long time. And also, at this time, keep in mind, like, although there are no wars on at the moment, this ship is unarmed. This isn't a... a, a yeah. This doesn't have guns on. This isn't a third-rate vessel. <laughs> this this vessel is, is kind of going out alone. There's 47 men on the ship, by the way. Right. And this, this is what they've kind of got to deal with sure. and it's a really rough journey they leave from England on September 1787 with a crew of 46 apologies not 47 on that 11 month trip to the to beautiful island Tahiti now you can only imagine after 11 months at sea surrounded by the same 47 people getting to Tahiti with the white sand beaches and, and quite frankly it's a paradise it, let's yeah, not escape it, it. yes <clears throat> you know and there was women <laughs> <laughs> you've yeah. spent 11 months on a boat and that you get off and there's 45 other men yeah 40, yeah 45 there's there's women um who are open to um congress <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like this it's not unreasonable that after all that time coming to you're gonna get settled in and they do get settled in these guys spend five months Wow. They spend five months on Tahiti. I mean, that's a pretty sweet deal, isn't it? Even even today. Yeah, like, it's 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 quite bad. But the way captains and and crew and and people who kept logs at the time, they were pretty open about expl- describing the Tahitian women as being extremely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't wear many clothes, and I, I, I've got a quote here somewhere. But essentially, it was known that they they that the women would sleep with the men basically would sleep mm-hmm. with the sailors I, I mean I, I've got something from the Nat Geo website and I quote they also formed attachments to the island's women who sold sexual favours in exchange for items like nails uh, nails as in hanging pictures? yeah yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. but it seems like the Tahitian women had a lot of pictures to hang <laughs> um, but you know based on what I know it, it could have gone either way it, again it's one of those things in history where it's the women welcome the men and they're all really happy and they all become yeah I mean yeah. If, if I'm a Tahitian woman um, on the beach sunbathing and <laughs> yeah. 47 British naval men suddenly toothless toothless yeah, yeah that's worth mentioning haven't well. seen a woman in six months no I'm probably not going to be particularly happy about it. No, no. Um, yeah, but like, look. Let's look at it this way. I'll explain this later on. But the they do marry some of these women again. Whether that's against their will yeah. or not is, is another completely mm-hmm. different matter. And also, it's it's noted that <laughs> and and quote um, forty men were treated for STDs whilst there. Um, so it seems like they 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 definitely traded more than nails. Um, they yeah, they were they were safe to assume. Yeah. So anyway, it comes to the time where they they've had their five months. They've they've tended the breadfruits, so they have filled up the ship. They're all ready to. They've, they've collected supplies. Tahiti was known as actually quite a nice little place to stop off, even just to pick up supplies, not even necessarily land. And um, the Tahitians would come out on boats and trade with people. Okay. So like you know they they got something out of yeah. this, um, and they they set sail. Um, and as you. <laughs> And as you can imagine, after five months on Tahiti, Sam, how would you feel after five months in paradise about having to leave to go to the West Indies with your boat full of 45 other men? <laughs> I mean... That have West, probably not got their teeth. The West Indies is also a paradise, mm. to be fair. Uh, full I mean, of slaves at this point, but yeah. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, fair point. So, yeah, <laughs> but to get for a white yeah. British naval crew, yeah. the West Indies to them... 
Presumably, it's paradise. Yeah, like a lot of um, these guys wouldn't have, you know, they might have done the odd trek to India or done, yeah. done some stuff in the Navy, but again, some of these guys might have seen war. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I, I think a couple of them had. I, I don't have the, the source to mind, but a few of them wrote quite extensive memoirs when they retired, and, yeah. and some of them were just like, you know, I fought in the Revolutionary War, and I, I survived this, and I, I did that. Sure. But yeah, um, it's safe to say Bly, Bly wasn't happy about this either. It's, it's worth noting, though, that, that Bly was known for being a disciplinarian. In fact, it's probably worth mentioning at this point that um, this won't be Bly's last mutiny, Sam. Is it his first? It is definitely his definitely first. His, first, his okay. first of three, in fact, yeah. um, during his uh, yeah, impressive enough career. Um, his, his second mutiny actually ends up being about seven or eight years later on the HMS Director. Um, it's over actually it's over fully enough uh, very topical paying conditions wow okay <clears throat> yeah he, he he probably isn't directly responsible for that mutiny it seems like there was a series of them at the time mm-hmm. but you know mutiny once fool on me mutiny twice fool on the British Navy and and his third and final um, mutiny is it didn't actually happen on a boat it happened while he was in australia so right. near the end of Bly's career he actually becomes a governor of uh, south i think it was south wales australia okay. and he was a part of the rum rebellions which is very interesting itself in mm. fact william Bly could probably have his own podcast episode because he's quite an interesting man <laughs> and it. it seems like he's a bit of a, a douche canoe if i'm honest so uh, with the mut- mutinies is it a three strikes and you're out sort of system like you get the first two free Third mutiny, you're done. You're <laughs> Not quite. So actually, it's quite it's quite interesting with with the mutinies. Um, obviously, mutinies are always seen as very bad things, and we'll talk talk about this later on. But um, mutinies normally, if you're a mutineer and you get caught, you generally get taken home. Like they they really were hot on it. Even during these days, they would literally send ships out to find you. Okay. So they they actually do this in this case. So the mutineers that end up spoiler alert but some of the mutineers um, end up breaking off and going back to Tahiti to, to the women that they were with and again that's where the marriages come into to, to play but yeah they were really hot on it you would probably get hanged for it okay it'd be very rare circumstance where you got away with anything else you would definitely lose your commission mm-hmm. you wouldn't be a part of the navy anymore um, in, in fact um, going back to, to Bly anyway and how, how his attitude was towards his own men um, again this is recorded several times in fact I've got a quote here from Arthur from an author sorry um, Sven Wahluru I've probably pronounced that incredibly incorrectly Wahluru never mind quote fault finding insulting petty and condescending um, was on the journey and made a point to punish crew publicly which again wasn't unknown at the time yeah so let's skip ahead a little bit they've been at sea for about uh, so they, they set sail on the 1st of April, mm-hmm. um, and on the 27th, um, Bly actually accused Christian of stealing coconuts, and he, he actually punished the entire crew. Wow. Bold move. Bold move. Um, and there's lots of conjecture and, and, and kind of thoughts on what actually triggered it. This is probably the most reasonable assumption. They've been on a paradise for five months. They've set sail, and then less than you know, four weeks later, he just wants one more just, damn coconut. Just wants a coconut. The the guy loves coconut. Again, another thing worth mentioning here. Everyone was there for the Tahitian women. He was like, "Oh, come on, <laughs> give coconuts. me the coconuts." But like, another thing worth mentioning here. This is probably wasn't a bad idea because scurvy was still pretty rife in the mm-hmm. navy at this point. In fact, and it's quite ironic, um, <laughs> scurvy was probably was actually cured about a year later. It was cured in 1790. So if they'd set sail 12 months later... Yeah. None of this could have happened. Potentially. Holy cow, yeah, potentially. They 
they would have had their coconuts. They would have had their coconuts mm. and no scurvy. And no scurvy. But, but it gives you an idea about yeah. like what they were dealing with. Like It was awful, the conditions, and, yeah. and scurvy was just one of them. So, yeah, to give you an idea of what happens next, um, I'm going to read a letter that actually, Bly actually sent to his wife when he got to dry land in um, Timor. Um, again, we're not touching on it in this episode, and we probably won't touch on it in, in entirety, but he got set off on a boat, a canoe, essentially, a big <laughs> a schooner, um, I believe it was called. And he was given the bare bones, he was given some food, he was given uh, the rest of the people who were kind of lumped in with, with Bly, his, his loyalists, as you will. Mm-hmm. They were put onto this schooner, and they were set sail. Now, for most people, that would be a freaking death sentence, because you're probably 20,000 miles off from England at yeah. this point. You're in the South Pacific Ocean, which still hasn't been fully explored. There is there's still some secrets that uh, South Pacific has has to hold at this sure. time. Not many, but a few. Um, it'd be a death sentence to most people. And he actually did kind of spot around for a little bit. I think he went on to... I can't remember the island. I don't have it with me, but... Um, he did land on an island where pretty much him and his men got attacked. I think one of them died. Right. Um, but eventually he ended up getting back to dry land. He, he made it home, as it were. Wow. Um, he did make it back to England. This is the letter that he wrote to his wife, Betsy, um, when he when he landed in Timor. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to give you a, 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 a flavour for it. <clears throat> Quote, My dear, dear Betsy, I am now, for the most part, in a part of the world I never expected. It is, however, a place that has afforded me relief and saved my life, and I have the happiness to assure you that I am now in perfect health. Know then now, my dear Betsy, that I have lost the bounty. On the 28th of April, at daylight in the morning, Christian having the morning watch, he with several others came came into my cabin while I was asleep, and seizing me, holding me naked, (laughs) not holding me naked, holding naked bayonets at my breast, tied my hands behind my back and threatened instant destruction if I uttered a word. I, however, called loudly for assistance, but the conspiracy was so well laid that the officers' cabin doors were guarded by sentinels. So Nelson, Peckover, Samuels, these were obviously people that were um, tied with with Fletcher, or the master could not come to me. I was now dragged on deck in my shirt and closely guarded. I demanded of Christian the case of such a violent act and severely degraded for his villainy, but he could only answer, Not a word, sir, or you are dead. I dared him to act and endeavour to rally someone to the sense of their duty, but to no effect. The secrecy of this mutiny is beyond all conception, so that I can discover that any who are with me had the least knowledge of it. It is unbeknownst to me why I must beguile such force. Even Mr. Tom Elson took such a liking to Othello, Tahiti, um, that he also turned pirate, so that I have been run down by my own dogs. <coughs> now, I've, I've not finished here, but you, you're getting the picture here. They're definitely we're getting reinforcement here that Tahiti is a beautiful place to sure. be, and it's even turning clearly some of his loyal loyal men uh, against him. Um, I'll continue the quote. My misfortune, I trust, will be properly considered by all the wor- world. It was a circumstance I could not foresee. I had not sufficient officers, and had they granted me marines, most likely the affair would never have happened. So, basically, the, this ship didn't actually have many senior crew on it. So, so Bly is now blaming 
everybody but himself for what happened effectively. Pretty much, and, and this is something that's consistent throughout his entire career. Well, he it's always thinks three it, times. It happens three times. <laughs> to- yeah, um, that's the one constant. <laughs> like he, he definitely doesn't think he's a bad person. He definitely thinks he's right and justice in what he's doing. Yeah. I, I kind of get it to some extent. Like he's got a crew to keep control of. He's got a he's got a job to do, but he could have done it in a better way. Mm. Let, let's not beat around the bush. So just finish the the letter. I had not a spirited and brave fellow about me, and the mutineers treated them as such. My conduct has been free of blame, and I showed everyone that. Tied as I was, I defied every villain to hurt me. So. Yeah, you just reinforced that with that yeah. last paragraph. He's he doesn't think he's at fault here. Um, he's <clears throat> he's clearly uh, surprised by all of this. Yeah, which I I would argue he shouldn't have been to some extent. It seems like there was a lot of things. I I've not gone on every detail here, but there's clearly things that that have been missed here. There was there was arguments potentially beforehand and, and probably during the voyage up to the twenty twenty eighth, twenty seventh of April. Yeah, I mean it's it's never going to be happy, 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 happy mutiny. Hmm. There's there's got to be a downtrodden crew, hasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um probably because he's publicly berating them in, in front of each other for making mistakes. Exactly. I he he a lot I think the crew is pretty well split. It's normally the lower ranks that join a, uh, along with Christian mm-hmm. um, and the higher ranks as it were uh, the upper echelons of the ship um, joined with Bly. There weren't many loyalists um, but it's a, it's a reasonably even right. split. Um, so look I I think that's the episode. I think we should finish there. What do you think? Yeah. So what what we'll do is the next episode episode we'll walk through the journey of um, Christian and his mutineers uh, as they took um, to landing on Pitcairn and then on to the main event. Yeah, and this the is this is where it gets uh, it gets pretty grisly. Interesting. I mean, everything up to I mean, now. It's interesting we, already. Yes, yeah, of course, but, of course. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But we, we we really get into it. Um, we you know we've touched a little bit on a bit of slavery. But yeah, yeah. That's nothing um, compared to what's coming up. I mean, it's, it's not, that, not to diminish slavery, it's I might stress. It's to talk about a period in the 1700s uh, without talking about slavery. No. No, that, that's fair. I mean, but what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the journey, uh, like I say, of, of, of Fletcher um, and his mutineers. There's a, there's a little bit of. So, again, this is kind of what movies and certain books don't really talk about, but it's not just. Hey, we've found Pitcairn. Let's land and, yeah. and make a beautiful life, and everyone's happy. It's far from that. Sure. Um, but yeah, Sam, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having do, me. Do you have any pluggables? I do have a pluggable. Uh, my pluggable. YouTube channel, in particular, which is Sammy Shares. Uh, we do book unpack openings, lots of geeky, nerdy videos, World of Warcraft, in particular. So, uh, so check it out. Cool. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you next time.